You've got to delegate your understanding of yourself and your neighbor to God. You want to follow God? You want to worship Jesus Christ? You want to follow him nearly? Believe what he says about you on your best day and worst day. Believe what he says about your neighbor on best day and worst day. If you can get there, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're really following because we're tempted to believe either our own, you know, positive press or our own negative press about ourselves. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good day, Bishop. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> this, week, this week's devotion might be my favorite yet. All right. Honestly, I'm just going to let that sit right there and hope that some people get my wit and hopefully understand a bit of the sarcasm behind it. There <laughs> you go. You, it's been two years now. <laughs> you named it me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> get it? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's based on Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, where Jesus tells a parable addressing the self-righteous and holy hoity-toity people who look yeah. down on all those, quote, other sinners. And I like this devotion, not because of the name, but because of the fire underneath it. You said, we trust our opinions more than the research of experts, and we interrupt experience with our confidence, no matter how shallow. <laughs> so, why don't you just like dive in? What inspires you most? What inspires you most this devotion? Well, you know, you know, I mean, for for those of you who don't know this story, this is like one of my favorite stories. I mean, I say that about a lot of stories in the Bible. This is, I mean, Jesus just Jesus is just throwing shade right, left, and center <laughs> in this story, man. You just gotta love it. And he's talking to all of us, right? Nobody gets away scot free here. And so this, I mean, the setting is, is that there's a, there's a, a fancy religious dude standing up in the temple and he's praying and he's saying, Hey man, I do all the right things. I give the right money. I got the right pedigree. Oh, I'm just so wonderful. Look at me, God. And then there's another man sitting right beside him. This man can't even lift up his head. He's so weighed down with his, with his, uh, his sinfulness and how he's missed the mark. And, uh, you know, uh, he, the, the, the first guy, he trusts in his own righteousness. He, he has earned the right to all of God's best. And this other man, he knows he's earned nothing. He knows he's missed the mark and fallen short. And he, as the story goes on to say, he is the one who is justified. Right. And so I, I just love the story because I've been both of these guys, if we're honest. If you're honest, Melissa, maybe you've been both of these folks. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's the that's the that's the truth of it. But he, me is at the center of his world. You know, isn't it interesting? He walks into a sanctuary where God is supposed to be the center and he puts himself at the center. Right. God is not the protagonist. He's the protagonist. And I, and I think we do that. Um, and, you know, uh, what I was trying to say when I say we trust our opinions more than the research of experts is this, this emerging trend, not even emerging, this sort of bona fide trend that we see nowadays where people's opinions. I mean, if we want to be honest, we noticed in COVID that a lot of us who do not have 
uh, research degrees or medical <laughs> degrees or public health degrees. We had a lot to say about what the country should do and the nation. Should, I mean, we had a lot to say about the technicalities of but things. But that's because of the Google. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. And that's and that's the other that's the other part of my sentence is that we we want to interrupt science and experience with our confidence, no matter how shallow. We've read one article. We've read two articles. <laughs> I mean, how many articles do you have to read so that you can feel like you should stand next to someone who spent their life, you know, in research? I mean, it, it's it's when you lay it bare, it's silly. Uh, it's it's really silly, but and I and I wonder about the the arrogance and the and the self centeredness of the whole thing, and I want I worry about the peril of it all. I'm not saying that everybody doesn't have something to contribute. I'm not saying that. Obviously, I do believe that. I've said that again and again and again. But I, I think we've got to bring a dose of humility to some of these conversations. And we, you know, I think this is one of the things that uh, the scripture helps us to be mindful of is is that again and again, it's humility that unlocks the best of us. And arrogance, which unlocks the worst of us. Arrogance unlocks all of the abuses we've ever done as individuals and, and as, a, as a nation and so on. Uh, and it's humility. And I'm not talking about people having self-worth issues. I'm talking about humility, where I understand my relationship to others and I understand my relationship to God. Right? I recognize that I have gifts and strengths, values, and virtues. And at the same time, I also have uh, liabilities. Uh, and the need for additional learnings. And so this fella in the story, man, he is just the center of the universe. You know, I mean, all the planets revolve around him. He's got it all figured out. And what's sad about it is, is that, you know, he doesn't realize that any good that he's done, any righteousness that he's fulfilled, he's done in response first uh, to God's goodness to him. Right. And so I think that's the first step. We got to realize that any good that we do, is in response to the good that's been done to us in God. If you've got a bright mind, you didn't make up your mind by yourself. God gave it to you. If you've got a trust fund, other people's work have created that trust fund for you. I mean, and so it is all along. And so I think this guy just doesn't get that. Maybe we catch him on a bad day. I don't know. Maybe this is not who he is, some total. Maybe we just, we caught him on his worst day. And, you know, so we, we want to give him some love and some mercy. But I'm enamored with the other guy. The, the other guy, and I, I've been this guy too. I, I've been the guy who just gets so weighed down with all the ways in which I missed the mark. Uh, all, all the ways in which I've not fulfilled the words that I said were the words I want to live by. I've been that guy too. And I know I'm not the only one. And, and to feel like uh, you can't look up in the sanctuary is, is also wrongheaded. Because I, I think this is the gift of these holy places, is that all of us can look up. I mean, God has made it so by, you know, coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ down to our level, if you will. God has made it possible for you and I to look up and look into God's face. And so we, we miss the mark in lots of ways. Sometimes, we, sometimes our sin is, and it, it's a funny kind of sin, we're so arrogant we feel like we believe our own lack of self-worth more than what God says about our worth. Oh, wow. So listening to that, I kind of feel like the difference between confidence and arrogance is humility. Yeah, this is it. So you have to have the humility to believe a narrative other than your own narrative, right? And so what I want to do is what I want to do. And what I would say to any brother and sister sibling, I would say, look, on your worst day, don't believe what you say about you. 
believe what God says about you, which is you are beloved. You are redeemed. And that right? was the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 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 you know, you, you, in, in a funny kind of way, you know, your arrogance has allowed you to trample on your own self, right? Because you don't want to believe the mercy of God more than you want to believe that you deserve punishment, right? And so, so this is really, this is really the, I mean, if people get this, then, then this was worthwhile, right? You've got to delegate your understanding of yourself and your neighbor to God. So who does God, so you want to follow God, you want to worship Jesus Christ, you want to follow him nearly, believe what he says about you on your best day and worst day. Believe what he says about your neighbor on best day and worst day. That's step number one. If you can get there, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're really following because we're tempted to believe either our own, you know, positive press or our own negative press about ourselves. Okay. And Bishop, though, that that kind of sticks with me a little bit, rankles, not so much because I don't believe you. And yet I feel like there are some people who say, oh, but God says X is, quote, abomination. And therefore, we make judgments against other people based upon what we think God thinks about them. So how do you how do you work with that? So I, I think uh, the question is a good question. And I think what we really need to remember is, is that, you know, there, you have to bring some sophistication to the to the Bible. I, I think that there are. There are parts of the Bible that we need to scrutinize really, really well, where we, we are thinking that um, there are some parts that are making particular points about some members of the human family, and then we're trying to pull them forward into you know, 2022. And, and that concerns me in the conversation I had with Archbishop Foley Beach. We talked a little bit about that. So how do you know what to leave behind and what to bring forward? So there's that. But I think uh, no one will argue with the fact that uh, from the beginning to the end of the book, all 66 books, there's a consistent theme, not one or two words, you know, but a consistent theme that we are gods, we are beloved of God, God has made us, God has made neighbor. Uh, and so and so for any, any of the other smaller off ramps in Scripture, the dominant highway through Scripture is that God is love. And that God loves all the things that God has created, all the ones that God has created, and that God intends good for those that God has created. And so, so that's how I make my case. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm happy to have you know, any specific conversations with, with theologians who want to talk about that. But I think also this comes in, in fleshed in Jesus in particular. I mean, because um, people have to reach back to Old Testament language for certain words. But if we want to stay in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I, I find it always interesting when people are making arguments about wanting to exclude people, they have to do the very thing they say we ought not do, which is they leave Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they jump back to the Old Testament. But if we stay in the New Testament, I mean, the argument is really clear that uh, we are beloved of God. God loved us so much that God came among us as one of us. Uh, God came to people who were nobodies in a nowhere town to make a particular point about everybody. And so that's exciting to me. And so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the, the man who looked up and only saw himself missed the mark, and the man who looked down and only saw his sins missed the mark. The mark for us is to tap into this river that we are beloved by God and that uh, we can look God in the face 
uh, and see the best reflection of ourselves. And, and that's, that's, that's the gift of this story. Um, now, because Jesus is hilarious and Jesus is funny to me, you know, Jesus goes the extra mile and just says, hey, man, you know, you ought to bring yourself down a peg here. Uh, you know, only one went down to their home justified. But Jesus is always, when he's given these stories, Jesus is always teaching a seminar, right? So Jesus is trying to give people some theological stuff to take out, you know, and think about some more about who is God? Well, on that note, we'll be right back after a short break. Hi, friends. You're hearing Jason McGee and Mass Choir at Imagine NYC. This song is Revelation 19.1, streaming now on YouTube. Keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to Four People. Bishop, you posed a question right before our break. Who is God? And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it dawns on me that when Jesus walked to the earth, that he was, he was putting others at the center. And so how do we work that through? Like, what does it mean to put God at the center? How do we live that out? Right. Well, I mean... Well, you know, this other-centeredness, right? I mean, that's a phrase that you pick up from Dr. King, other-centeredness, other-centeredness. And, and so that was really the point of the little, the little article, which is, is that uh, a lot of abuses happen when we put ourselves at the center. A lot of abuses happen. It's, it's just sort of, sort of how we struggle as human beings. When we put one particular group of people or one culture, one language, one race, one orientation, whenever we put one and lock the doors behind us or build the walls high— you know, it, we end up doing violence to each other and to God. Uh, and so we've always got to be on the lookout uh, lookout for that. So, you know, this notion of the center, I mean, so how do we get to that? Well, Scripture seems clear, doesn't it? When Jesus picks up this notion is, is that, you know, we ought to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love neighbor as self. That seems like that's at the center. He says on, 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 the, on these two things hang all the law and all the prophets. That seems pretty damn center to me, right? And so, so if, if that has centered, then we have to always live in the tension of uh, how do I deal with the truth of God and the truth of neighbor as myself? And, and, and any, every time we try to escape from that tension, we do violence. We do, we, do, we do mischief, we do harm to people. When we live in that tension, we make better long-term decisions for our planet, for our resources, for our churches, for our marriages, etc. So you wrote that decentering ourselves has always been difficult for humans, but maybe now more than ever. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, now everybody has a supercomputer in their, in their back pocket and you can, you, can, you can Google something and find, you know, uh, people who believe you or, or, or you get to sound like information. I mean, you know, I mean, the good, you know, so the, the best, look, I'm for technology. Don't get me wrong. Uh, 100%, right? I mean, this podcast is brought to you by technology, <laughs> right? right? So, I mean, that would be kind of goofy. But, but I, I think just like anything else, we can, we can abuse it. And so I think what we have done is, is that we have made information God, right? And we've put information in people's hands. Uh, and we should put more information in people's hands, but but sometimes we've taken that information 
uh, and for some of us, it's very scant, and, and we have made ourselves experts. And I think this is really, really dangerous. And I was joking earlier, that's, we saw that on, on the display dramatically in COVID, right? All of us Im- immediately had a, had a, you know, a PhD in public health. <laughs> that's like saying, um, yeah, like, oh, I can do an, uh, uh, an appendectomy. I saw it on House M. <laughs> yeah, right. I saw, I, I saw it on Google, right. You know, and, uh, you know, so, so yeah. And so while there's lots to learn on YouTube and I do too, I, I spend, I, when I'm fixing old cars, thank God for people who post those videos, I, I think, you know, there's, there's information and then there's information. And so I think we're trying to tend to something a lot more far reaching, a lot deeper than, than just, you know, how do you pull a distributor out of a car? You can go to Google and find that, but you may not be able to find in all the depth, depth and dimensions, how we figure out how to live together as a nation. That may not be on on a, on a YouTube video somewhere. And so I think, uh, you know, this gentleman in this story, um, you know, is satisfied. I think this is what you have to be worried about. Where, what are you, you know, what satisfies you? He was satisfied at being the center of his own universe, right? And so I think we've got to make sure that we're not satisfied being the center of our own. In other words, don't, don't believe all your own press releases, right? About, don't believe your own hype. Don't believe your own billboards and bumper stickers. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, again, who is God? So God is God, is God I'm not. There's this wonderful Michael Curry, our presiding bishop, uh, when he was a bishop of North Carolina, he used to go around and he used to say uh, when he would ordain young people, people who wanted to be ordained to the diaconate or to the priesthood, and he would say without fail, he would say, you know, Rob, uh, today you ordained, uh, and that's a good thing, but just remember— uh, Jesus is Lord, so you don't have to be. Right? <laughs> That's so, great. You know, I mean, he would say, and and you know, it was, it was sort of cute and pithy, but but as you live a long time with that, you realize, yeah. And and here's the thing: there's a liberation in this in this org chart from Scripture. There's a liberation, so I don't have to be more than I am, right? And should not want to be more than I am. What's the best compliment we pay people? This person is down to earth. And we pay that compliment to people who have enjoyed incredible success and celebrity. So there's something there, isn't there? Uh, I went to a celebration recently of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. We're heading to the anniversary of his birth. And this is his, the first year we've been without him. And all the noter, all those sort of dignitaries were there. And you know there were videos from his wife. And it was just a wonderful celebration. And, uh, you know, his wife told all these wonderful stories about him being a stuck up little kid uh, who was a child of the headmaster and how he did, didn't want to do his chores. And now this is a Nobel Peace Laureate, right? I mean, this is a guy who, who arguably helped to end, you know, violent apartheid. But he was he was he never believed his he was always Desmond. And, and the people that he encountered after having achieved all the success, they, they, they saw that in him that God was really God for him and that he was a servant of this God and that he was not above or beneath anybody else. And I, I think this is what the guy in the story doesn't quite get. He doesn't quite get the glimpse of that, that that is really life. So Bishop, one last question. I can't help <laughs> I love, you're really into I this story. I'm sorry. I, I got to ask, like, how do you see this being lived out in the institutional church you know, I, I can't help but wonder if there are a number of even clergy people who who kind of maybe miss the mark on this and think they 
they've got the key. They've got the, you know, they know, they read it, whatever. I mean, do you see this in our church? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, this is a historic temptation, especially for those of us who work in the church or in faith communities, right? I mean, to handle things wholly regularly, uh, we we sort of uh, can lose um, the privilege of that, the uniqueness of that. And uh, because we are human beings with egos and are fallible, just like everybody else, uh, we can start to believe our own hype. Right. We can start to believe our own sort of holiness narrative. Right. And, and I think this is why it's it's so important to stay really connected with maybe not the risen Christ, as we want to talk about it, but Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Jesus of Nazareth is God among us, you know, dirty toenails, you know, eating with his hands, you know, sitting beside tax collectors, cheats and hookers. I mean, that's the glimpse of holiness that God wanted us to see because God decided to come among us in this particular way. God doesn't go to the palace and he doesn't go to the temple. His birth is announced by angels to the sheep herders, you know, people who had, you know, felonies on their record and couldn't get other jobs, you know? I mean, this, this, and so I think that what will, what will keep us uh, centered uh, and keep the main thing the main thing is if we keep centered on the way in which God chose to be God among us. And, you know, he comes without ceremony, no pomp, no circumstance. Um, he comes to be beside people. Uh, he refuses the title good. You know, they call him, you know, Jesus. He says, none, none are good but God. I mean, so I think, I think there's a, a particular perseverance that you have to have, I think, if you're going to and look, it's not just clergy, it's, it's lay folks. I mean, I, we meet lay leaders in the church, you know, who because of their, their uni- unique position and authority, they start to start to believe their own hype. And, you know, I mean, we forget uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that whole beautiful chapter about love, that that chapter is about arrogance as much as it is about love. Though I speak in the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I mean, that's a whole thing about, oh, you have unique spiritual gifts. Congratulations. <laughs> if it ain't love, it's garbage. I mean, you know, that's that's Paul's message all along. And then at the end of that chapter, don't forget, he tells us, if you're going to love, you better grow up. So I, I think this is the thing, is the, is the growing up for us has to be in decentering ourselves, recentering God, not condemning ourselves when we fall short and when we slip, but also just being in the business of recentering, recentering, recentering. And I think this is why regular worship is so important because we get connected again to the story. I'm not God. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm not beneath anybody else. I'm a I'm one among billions, gajillions of people who are beloved by God. And ultimately, that's all we really want to be. And if we want to be more than that, we ought to have a little, as the, as the old folks say, you ought to have a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Bishop, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week. 